Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Konnichiwa and welcome to <laughs> Scarves Around the Funnel. The podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club, soon to be home of the Japanese Mbappe, or so we hear. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Konnichiwa, you really went there. I did. did I did. Oh, you so you want me to speak in the accent of hopefully another signing where Callum uh, Patterson was born? But do you know where he was born? He was born in London. You do know. Yeah. And he's got South African heritage as well. Speaking of accents, I said last week that I didn't want to try and imitate Ryan McGowan's Australian accent. Um, <laughs> but he spoke like this because he wasn't very well. Is this the Godfather? Marlon Brando? I don't know. I didn't sound like that anyway. See, we've got another voice message. He just He can't join us again this week because he says he's not feeling well. Unbelievable. He's just, it's not reliable anymore. I felt quite bad and I messaged the group because um, we said in the podcast, and I think Ryan's been very busy, so he's not had a chance to listen to it. So we slated him a little bit. Um, and then we did say, he's like, see if he's in that, see if he plays. If we see that lineup against Ross County at the weekend and he's in there, we know he was faking it. And I looked at the team and I was like, I messaged the group going, oh Christ, Ryan's not even on the bench. Now I feel bad. <laughs> he said he was suspended. Like, no, no, I was suspended. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> Let you off there. Um, how are you doing, Ryan been, If I, I was suspended, I would have been struggling. Put it that way. Been down with the man flu. So you said, yes, you said I wasn't on. Yes, I, I'm much better. Today was the first day that I trained, but um, yeah, over the end of last week and over the weekend, it was um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. So thankfully, over that, and happy to join you guys on the show. Is By it, the way, fu- it, fu- sorry. I was gonna no. I was just gonna say, is it times like these, Ryan, that you miss the um, Q80 dollars and the Q80 sunshine? <laughs> I miss the sunshine, that's for sure, and the dollars. But um, <laughs> yeah, definitely at this this weather or this time of year is um, yes, it's very different to the sunny Q8. Tell, tell us, last week of the season, whoever we play, hopefully it's St Johnson. Hopefully you guys get top six. If it's you against us for a European spot, you ain't coming on the podcast, are you? That week. Yeah, I'll come on the podcast. We will on afterwards to gloat if they get it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on the week after as well if we finish the pub. <laughs> what a run. Um, what a run. Yeah, we're doing well. Yeah, we're doing we're doing we're doing not bad just now. 
um, seem to be picking up results. And I think the most important thing for us and you know a lot of teams is w- when you're not playing well or you know if you are struggling a little bit, like sort of St Mirren one before the break where you know we were we're down two one man sent off is, is to try and get something out of the games because the league is so tight. So. Yeah, it was a, a massive win for us. Obviously, a difficult place to go up Dingwall, and um, yeah, the boys did really well and um, sets us up nicely because we've got a we've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. So um, yeah, every point's a bit of a prisoner at the minute, and um, yeah, those three points were hugely massive for us. And yeah. like you said, it puts it puts them on the board. So we're we played a, a couple of games more than teams in and around us, but you know we're up in a good position at the minute, and and hopefully we play out there come the end of the season. You only scored two goals. We scored three. <laughs> yeah, well done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing Killy, who are bottom of the league, aren't they? Or second bottom. Yes, Dungeon United are, are bottom of the league. One of your old favourites. Um, we won't get into relegating Dundee team, so that's an old joke. Uh, we, we are very pleased to have Ryan back on the uh, podcast, but we're delighted to also be joined um, by a man who not only used to pull on the maroon of hearts um, but you now see him, I don't know if you could say strutting his stuff, but um, doing his thing on Hearts TV every home game uh, it's a pleasure to be joined by Mr Gary Wales how are you doing Gary? Um, very well, how are you guys? Very well, Good. thank you mate Good, why are you such a handsome bastard? Yeah, we'll start with that one what a good-looking Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, if you look back on some older archive stuff, Mark, no, don't uh, worry, I, have. I, I, think, uh, I think you'll find I'll probably get most improved. Oh, you didn't <laughs> look like that when I used to interview yeah, you. Nah, you for the nah, ba- back, in, back in the day, I looked like Luke Chadwick. Chadwick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. Craig, Craig Gordon's got a bit of that as well. Oh, yeah, he's, I know. He's like a fine wine as well. Yeah. I know. I know. Good face cream. That's that's the way. Good face cream. Mm-hmm. Stress free, stress free life. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> you look like you could still play. I keep myself fit for sure, but um, of course, girls will tell you. You know, like doing stuff in the gym versus doing out in the pitch. It's totally different. So probably look okay, but uh, if I was to go out and run about, and I dare say my hammies would fall off quite quickly. <laughs> You dispatched your penalty pretty well. Half ah, time. That, that, that's testimonial. That stuff's easy. It's the running about. I have. I mean, I have. I mean, Roddy McKenzie uh, was in goals, wasn't he? <laughs> well, there you go. That, that's and, another. Yeah. Yeah. Cardboard cutout, any? Um. Yeah, Roddy. <laughs> I have to say. So, if I'd be, I, I was watching obviously from the commentary box, and you know. Gary Wales comes out. I can recognise Gary Wales. You know, if if I hadn't seen you since you played for Hearts, I would have recognised uh-huh. you. I did not recognise Roddy McKenzie. I have to say, mm. from the back <laughs> of the Wheatfield. <laughs> what does Roddy look like now? Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be difficult. You, you put yourself up there for it, Laurie. Go for it. Um, for let's it just say time has not been as kind to Roddy as it has been to Gary and to to Craig Gordon. <laughs> Yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to be. I'm trying not to be a dick. Well, no. Listen, there's guys. You know, again, again, pro pro athletes generally across the board. They tend to look after themselves for many years, and the first thing they do is tr- do everything that they, you know they've, they've kind of been disciplined to stay away from. So, um, 
you know, you can't blame them. I know there's a few guys that have d- went that way with it, but... Uh, Ryan said he'd do that, I think. Gowser, you think so? He's going to let it go. Let it go oh, as soon as... Gowser's it... always going to... Gowser will be 50 years old and... And maybe a couple of pounds over his fighting weight, but he'll be in good shape and still have all his hair. I yeah, think he's... so. I think so. Well, I don't know about the hair. It'll be grey. Yeah. Go on, grey already. It's going a bit. There is a bit That's of that. stress. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. I still think you're going to play on and on and on, mate. Well, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling old. We'll wait and see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You're looking after yourself, though. Yeah. Right, anyway. Too much nicer. We've got... Chance. We've got Champions League next year that we need to worry about, so I might <laughs> stay for that. <laughs> uh, steady, steady. Right, so this week we we will uh, have a chat with Gary about his, his time with Hearts and what's happened after his, his time at Tynecastle as well as a player. We're going to look at the game that was played at the weekend, Hearts against Kilmarnock. Uh, we'll have a brief look ahead as well to the upcoming match on Christmas Eve against Dundee United. As the ball gets launched forward it's off the head of right but Ginelli will be after it he could be in here Ginelli right foot shot and there's the goal it's a disaster at the back for Joe Wright he couldn't get the header clear it went behind him in the end and Josh Ginelli who scored very late on in Hearts last match he's done it a bit earlier this time controlled it and as it bounced up in front of him he Took that shot really nicely on the half volley, right footed. Flew past goalkeeper Sam Walker. Less than 19 minutes in. Hearts 1, Kilmarnock 0. I think from this angle, right on the edge of the box, it would certainly favour a cross, but yeah. maybe yeah. lay it off for someone to have a shot. Yeah, that might be for Ginelli. That's maybe not going to be that. Snodgrass will curls in, good ball. Header down, Shanklin 2 0. Simple as that. Brilliant. Lovely ball from Robert Snodgrass. And Lawrence Shanklin gets goal number 13 of the season. And with less than half an hour played, Hearts double their advantage. Hearts of Midlothian 2, Kilmarnock 0. Armstrong curls it in. Ash Taylor gets onto that one and he scores. And it's been a good few minutes for Kilmarnock. And Ash Taylor does convert the Dan Armstrong free kick this time. And it is game on at Tynecastle with 17 minutes left. Hearts of Midlothian 2. Kamarnik won, and it will be Shankland against Walker from 12 yards. Shankland steps up and down the middle and restores Hearts' two goal advantage. And surely now means all three points will be staying in the capital. Lawrence Shankland, second of the game, 14th of the season, and it's Hart to Midlothian three. Kilmarnock won and Jimmy Sanderson we can breathe I a think, sigh I, of yeah, relief yeah I would agree with that you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s okay first up let's start with Heart of Midlothian against Kilmarnock on Saturday the cinch premiership back after five weeks, um, felt like a long time, didn't it, Mark? Mm, it did, and it was great to be back. And I thought after the first five ten minutes, the Hearts really found their stride as well. It was it was just good to be back, and it wasn't the first game. Obviously, Rangers coming from behind to to beat Hibs, and and we knew at kickoff 
with Celtic dominating Aberdeen but not scoring and then Cal McGregor scoring late, that it was a huge opportunity for us um, before a ball was even kicked to narrow the gap on, on Aberdeen. Yeah, the game, it's a really weird one, Killy, because obviously you get runs against teams, especially if one team tends to be better than the other, but then you get these really random ones like Kilmarnock getting results at Tynecastle. Which they have such a ridiculous record. They've won five in a row at Tynecastle before this game. Um, Hearts winless in seven at home to Killy, and I think it was twelve out of the last seventeen matches at Tynecastle. Kilmarnock have won, and bar a brief spell under Steve Clark, on the whole, Kilmarnock have not been that great during that period. Um, it's one of those. Ryan, can you think of any other random runs against teams where it's not necessarily a team that are tend to be better than the team you have. They just seem to get results in certain fixtures. No, but that one is strange. I think it would annoy Hearts fans as well because it does. Yeah. T- sometimes you have those <laughs> records, you know, away from home. I think it's a bad record against St. Johnson, isn't it? Pretty oh, sure yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. And I think there's, yeah, there's been another couple, but to have that sort of record at home you know, for a club like Hearts is, is is really poor and um you know it wasn't even that long before the break when they lost in the league cup didn't they yeah right yeah so even like results like that you know league cup against killy who haven't been great this season um you know to lose it to them in the cup isn't a good one but um off the top of my head i can't really think of any others i remember rudy always used to like playing against saint mirren i remember that He he did yes um any for you, Gary? Any runs that either for in your favour as a as a player you can remember, or another side that just always seemed to have the an Indian side in a, a certain fixture? Uh, I think from from my time at, at the club, like I feel like we had a couple of iffy results against Inverness Cali back then. That I yeah, thought, yeah, they were they were they were probably a little bit of our um, thorn in our. Our side, but um, you scored against him when we got knocked out in the cup at Tynecastle, didn't you? Yes, yes. Um, but I just, yeah, I feel like they were the ones that I felt like, oh god, what we're going to get from that, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but Aberdeen was always the team I really enjoyed playing against. Um, you like to goal against them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just even the club itself, I felt like every time we went up against them, I feel like it was, we all mentally thought it was a formality. So that's probably the two teams I would say. So it's a it's a good team to to have it over. Uh, in terms of recent form, Kelly uh, certainly not um, good away from home. Generally, uh, the worst team, in the top flight on the road going into this game, one point from twenty four available, and uh, Hearts with three changes from the side that drew with Livingston before the break. Uh, Kai Roll suspended. Uh, Toby Sibick and Orestes Kiermut Sogli both dropping out as well and returning Halkett Kingsley and Andy Halliday and Hearts going back to the three mark which I mm-hmm. think a few people were maybe a little bit surprised at we, we speak and it'd be interesting to get Ryan and Gary's take on this back in the day a formation was a formation and, and teams really strayed from it now they're so flexible and, and you saw during the World Cup you saw even before the World Cup you can start with a back three but you've got players that can easily drop back to make a four, Michael Smith. Or if you're playing in a four, you've got guys that can just come forward. But what what we found with with this, it was a flexible formation, but it was it was done 
with Kelly in mind and a lack of pace in the middle of the park, because normally you look at that and you go, well, that's Shanklin's through the middle. No, Josh Ginelli through the middle, Shanklin wide. And one of the three centre-backs, usually Cochrane, was able just to push forward at will when they weren't putting any pressure on the ball to help out and give us bodies in midfield. And Michael Smith was able to bomb forward as well. So you've probably got three or four different formations. And and Ryan, I mean, I, I know you've played as a defensive midfielder this season. You've played at the back. You probably prefer a three at St. Johnston. But you can't just say, oh, this is our formation and this is what we do, because it's ever-changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think parts of, you know, we've spoke about it before on the podcast, they've recruited for those types of, or those two types of formations. And then they've got those players that can play sort of those hybrid roles within the game. So if it's, like you said, you know, they're, they're on top of it, they can sort of move them into midfield or, or push them up because, let, let's face it, a lot of times at home, they will have the majority of the ball and, and there'll be the onus on them to attack. So Robbie's got that flexibility within, you know, not only his starting 11, but his squad that he may start a game with a certain formation, but depending on how that goes, he can, he can tweak it without having to make any substitutions. Whereas, you know, sort of, a, you know, in our case at St. Johnson, we're very much, a, we've probably got more out-and-out centre-backs than we do actual full-backs. So the, the three suits us because we can get the three um, centre-backs in there and, and then we kind of go for more wingers as our wing-backs and, and, you know, I've been moved into that midfield role sometimes as to almost help as a sort of have your four defenders and, and if I have to shuffle across to the right or left side, then I do that. So... Um, yeah, we probably don't have the flexibility that Hearts does, but um, you know that goes that's credit down to to Robbie and Joe Savage and, and the people that bring in those players into the club that you know they're bringing those players in to to fit sort of formations or, or styles of play, and and then that helps the manager at the weekend, which is you know sounds easy, but you know us as Hearts fans know for a long time that's not always been the case. Got it. Um... Craig Halkett, before this game, had played less than 45 minutes of football since middle of August. Uh, Kingsley obviously been out more recently as well. How big is it for, for Hearts and for Robbie Nielsen to get both of them back in that defence and potentially Kai Rolls to slot back in as well when, when he returns from suspension? I know, it was, it was a breath of fresh air getting both of them on at the same time, like you say. That was... I mean, and the thing is, Halkett's just kind of strolled through the game, didn't he, really, when you consider the amount of game time that he's had recently? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was brilliant to see, and um, yeah, it just allowed everyone to kind of, I don't know, it just the team sheet when, when you've got Kingsley and Hawks in there alongside Craig at the back, it just all of a sudden brings a settlement to you before the kickoff. You just feel like right, we've got a right good chance, you know. So from for me, it was it was good to see, and exactly what Mark said earlier, the 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 the, the strategy behind. Uh, the formations and well, the personnel on, on at the weekend was important to you know swapping Josh with Shanks and and using the pace because that's obviously where these where the Kelly toiled at the back and that was there to be seen. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts, Gary, as a, a former striker on those two players you just mentioned. Tarts a very comfortable first half, I think. Um, it's funny after lots of possession in the opening. 17, 18 minutes, not too much penetration. It ended up being just a ball whacked over the top by Stephen Kings. I mean, probably did a little bit of a disservice of that, but a ball over the top, which Joe Wright gets caught under. Josh Ginelli 
in behind. Um, a finish that he makes look very looks, looks very easy. Now, is that exactly why um, Robbie put Ginelli in that nine roll to begin with? That isn't just a hopeful punt up the park, and Ginelli happened to be on the end of it. No, I think it was that was just that was that was definitely a, a tactic that we were playing with, so that we could mix things up. I know because we like to play, you know, a bit of you know sexy football at times, but and maybe overpass sometimes. But certainly, it was there to be seen that you know Kelly were slow at the back and just turning them sometimes. And you know, if the guys are pressing, which I thought they were really good at in the first half in particular, little Cammy going up beside Josh and all that and pressing and getting a lot of second balls. And I thought that was a real, that's why Hearts really edged it in the first half, to be honest. And uh, like you said, when that when he went through Josh, I thought he'd done brilliant to keep the ball down. It was, felt like it was taking an eternity to, to, to drop to him. Um, but no, he controlled it great. It was a great finish. Um, the second goal as well, uh, I want to speak about Shanklin. First of all, it's a brilliant delivery by Robert Snodgrass. Free kick right in the edge of the box. It's a... It's a kind of tricky angle sometimes to do something with one of those ones. It's almost bang on the line, but a yard in from the left corner. So yeah. very difficult to maybe get up and over the wall for a shot at goal. Um, the cross can sometimes be difficult to get the right height to allow an attacker to get on the end of it. You probably criticise Joe Wright again for, I think, losing Lawrence Shankland. But um, sometimes it's a case that when a goal looks that easy, it sometimes shows the quality of those who've created and finished it. I think with... Where it was, a lot of the time you either see a direct shot and goal from a right footer or you see a right footer bending it in. I just wonder, Ryan, they didn't look like they defended it very well. Were they not expecting what in essence was an outswinger and did the centre-backs get caught because of that or was it just a just a screw-up defensively? Oh, it's, it's hard to tell. I, I obviously I knew that they scored... Um, and then when I seen the setup, you know, or seen the highlights, sorry, I thought at the time it's definitely been a shot. Keepers spilled it, and Shanklin's tapped it in. So I wasn't expecting it to be a, a cross and a header in, but it's obviously something that they've worked on. And um, like you said, it sort of caught Killy cold, I guess. I, I think everyone probably thought it was either going to be a shot on on goal from one of the two, and um, yeah, they've just worked it beautifully. And keeper's been stuck to his line, and it's. Uh, he makes that header look so simple, doesn't he? Does. Just the, down into the ground, back across the keeper. And, um, yeah, you know, I think Robbie will be delighted with that. And, and I think Hearts fans will be because, you know, I think we were sort of saying at the start of the year, they hadn't scored that many goals from sort of, you know, corners or set pieces. But it just shows you the sort of quality that a player of Snodgrass's ability can bring to the team. And yeah. um, I think already, I think he's got a huge number of assists considering, you know, he hasn't played the majority of the season. So, Having someone on the ball similar to Kingsley and and those types of players that you know if you do give away free kicks in dangerous areas, um, it, it makes it a real possibility for a goal. It's been a good signing, Laurie, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm so keen to jump in, Mark. I, I actually have totally underestimated the quality of Snodgrass's uh, set pieces because I just I, I did see some of it, you know, when he was down south. But just honestly, what what we've seen since his arrival, I mean. His fitness is getting there every time as well, but his set pieces is absolutely amazing. Honestly, I think everything that he's putting in, and like like Gowser said there, like his assist rate is creeping up as well, and it's, it's an absolute breath of fresh air to have him in there. Obviously, bringing the experience, but honestly, the set pieces have been superb. 
Yeah, I think it's his ability to get so much pace on the ball, mm. but 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 control it as well. You see, so many players, especially when they whip in corners, they either have to play it without too much pace if they want to get it where they want it, so they almost float it into the right position, or they try and hit the pace on it, and you end up with one that gets blooted way over past the back post. Whereas mm. he seems to, you know, he runs up like he's properly going to take a, a a real bit of power behind it, but he manages to control it really well. He had four assists in his ten appearances for Hearts so far, which is you know, almost almost one every two games, which is pretty good going. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Shankland, Gary. Uh, uh, now, I was we were reasonably happy with the signing on here. I, I don't think we'd say I'd be lying if I said that we were you know blown away by the acquisition. I think we we said we thought it was a sensible signing. You know, we, someone we thought would do well. I think I underestimated his overall contribution. It's maybe because I've not seen a lot of him in the top flight. Hearts were obviously in the championship when he was playing for Dundee United in the top flight. Um, but his overall... I think you, were the, you, were, you were the least optimistic of the three of us. Yeah. But you were you were still happy right. that he signed, okay. but you were the least... <laughs> All right, just, okay. I mean... You want to put yourself out to be shot at. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. I think it's just... I think, you know, I mean... In terms of stat wise, I mean, there was never any doubt the guy can score goals. Um, when you look at you know his ratio, uh, and obviously proven it in the in Scottish game, yeah. I think you know it's it's a it's a it's, it's every every fan's right to to always aspire for a bigger name or a or a different type of you know player or marquee player or whatever it would be. But no, I, I think I think the it was another shrewd investment uh, made there by. Uh, Robbie and Joe clearly bringing in somebody that they just know that's that's the strength is just the goal scoring himself and it's, I'm, it's, it's great to see him picking up the, the penalties as well just so that he can really get that tally up and hopefully that breaks that 20 goal a season thing that we've had around our neck for a, for a few years Yeah, 14 for the campaign and 25 appearances now and he's top of the Premiership scoring charts based on his two assists because the other yeah. two players in 11 don't have any assists. I'll talk about what happened in between, but since we're talking about Shankland, uh, obviously the third goal comes from Shankland penalty, but winning the penalty, um, did you did you like his smart little nudge um, mm-hmm. when the ball came in? You know, I didn't even notice it at first, Michael and then you see didn't. the replay. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's clever, isn't it? He knows exactly what he's doing there as the ball from Craig Gordon comes up the park. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly what you're doing. Is you're just trying to knock just to get because I mean Shanks will be admittedly say as well he's not blessed with the, the, the most pace as well. So anything that you can do from an experience point of view, you know, um, is is you know is useful to do. But he's he's obviously done that to to get to get a response at the guy as well, and uh, clearly it's worked. McGowan, from a defender's point of view, of what happens here is Joe Wright actually is throwing his arm up to claim for a foul. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why his arm goes out. Um, uh, are you in that position? Are you unhappy at the penalty award? I think I'm unhappy that it's given a penalty. I don't think you can be unhappy that he's given you a nudge. You know, it's it is contact sport, and yeah, you get nudged and bumped off the ball, and like strikers try every trick in the book to try and get that little advantage, and you also try every trick in the book, so. It's um, it, yeah, it's just part and parcel of the game. He does that all the time. Loads of players yeah. do that. They pull shirts. They do everything. You know, 
goal kicks they push you to try and get that run on you from midfield runners it, you know, that type of stuff happens all the time it's just it's just worked out absolutely perfect for him because he's nodded it into his uh, into his arm and, and gets to take a penalty and, and score another goal but um, yeah it goes down as, as clever striker play and um, you know that's the kind of thing that young players especially I think that they kind of struggle with or, or don't always get you know, when they youth team football, you don't get that type of stuff. And it's not until they sort of step up to the first team that they, you know, either get an experienced striker who, you know, gives them these little tricks of the trades or, you know, they really study football and, and watch other players in those positions because like that, you don't have any training sessions or coaches, you know, giving you that to work on. That's something that you get off your own back and, and it works and um, fair play to them. Yeah. Don't you think you used to all, you used to get those types of experiences and good habits fed to you when you were playing like resi football goes up? Yeah. You know, like yeah. when you just have one or two of the older boys in that were coming back from injury or something and they would just give you yeah. one or two pieces of information and you would you would just carry it on and it's things like that, like you say, that's the things that the kids are missing these days. Yeah. It's exactly is that that resi football of or even at you know because you don't sometimes get it in training you obviously do different stuff in, in training sessions and it used to be sometimes at half time of a resi game that you'd have somebody pull you being like hey don't let them do that or you know mm. try this in the second half and that will work because that, those players also see you in a game situation and see what you maybe need to get better at and um, yeah I remember playing against um, Stephen Naismith when he was at um rangers he was coming back from former, his, former strike of, partner of gary wills yeah he's coming back yeah. from one of his in injuries and he was one of the first ones that i used to be like wow like he is miles ahead of anyone that i've played at at that level and he was bumping like goalie hadn't even put the ball down for a goal kick and he was running across you and bumping into you and you're just totally confused as to being like what, what's he doing he's not even kicked the ball yet and then you're looking around for him you'd lose the fly of the ball he was just he was the first one to really sort of give me a run around and yeah, you know, I'm thankful maybe for that. Gary Wills, maybe Gary Wills taught him that. No, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, can't, I can't take a full credit for moving Nisi and Chris Boyd on for Kilmarnock, but I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> out, out, of the two, out of the two of them, I think this one would be easier to move now than Chris Boyd. Uh, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. no, look at the for for great heights to be honest like like what you what you just said there goes he was doing that when he was called up you know into the first team at 16 he was just like an absolute pest and um, so <laughs> you knew he was going to go far you know like he would listen to whatever but then also just this little Tasmanian devil just kind of going about you know <laughs> nipping at everybody's heels and yeah so he's had a great career so yeah in terms of the match the the section in between the second mm. goal for Hearts and the third goal. There was a little bit of a, a more iffy spell. Ed Killy changed things slightly at halftime. They bought in Christian Dodge and Bing Crisene and they put Dodge up top. So gave him a bit more of a, an attacking threat, changed the dynamic of the game. I suppose the slight negative, if you're going to look at it from a Hearts angle, as they start to look a little bit shaky. Um, I think they were always the better side in the game, but I think Robbie Nielsen will be disappointed that they got a warning or two from Dan Armstrong free kicks into the box. Joe Wright and Ash Taylor probably should have converted one. And then with 17 minutes to go, they do get a goal from it. And it's just another, it's a good ball into the box. But, you know, the likes of Halkett, who was very good throughout the game, will be disappointed that Ash Taylor just sort of drifts in at the back post and knocks in a very simple goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think 
I think we've seen that we've seen it coming, didn't we? Like you said, there was like three or four very similar set pieces where we were trying to squeeze out and um, try to get to catch them offside, and it, and it never worked. And you could see it coming. Although in that, like you said, in that section, Hart's ball retention was really good, but there was no real purpose with it. Was it? It was just a case of hold on, very much a, a sideward um, game rather than going forward and threatening. So I, I think when we were when we were kind of given sloppy free kicks away wide and you seen these sort of crosses coming in, you knew that was the only real way they were going to creep into it and sure enough it happened. The way that the, the second half started, there were alarm bells ringing because they totally changed. They changed the formation. Yeah. They made two changes at half time. They went more direct, brought on former hip striker Christian Deutsch. And then after 68 minutes, they brought in another another couple, including Scott Robinson. And by that stage, they've, they've got nothing to lose. And I, I don't know what it's like uh, as, as players, you two, but when when you kind of go in, you just think this is easy. Shoot, it was two going on three or four in that first half for Hearts. And I thought some yeah. of the one-touch stuff they played in the first half was really good. But the analogy I would I would kind of I would put here is Hearts against Gretna. 2006 Scottish Cup final. And it was like, psychologically, the players, they'll not admit it, they'll say all the right things, yeah, we're going to give them full respect or whatever. But the longer it goes, the more you kind of, you take your eye off the ball, you just think you can show up. You're not doing it intentionally. It's mindfulness. And when you're 2-0 up, and the opposition's got nothing to to lose, I I can understand it. So there's got to be something at halftime that kind of says, look, let's, let's, Forget what's just happened in the first half. Let's start the second half quickly. Let's try and get another goal. Because it looked like we were sleepwalking our way to what we hoped would be a 2-0 win. We didn't We didn't take any lessons. We didn't learn any lessons from that. And I have to say, if we were playing in a better league, we wouldn't have won that game. Purely based on the second half d- display. Because, look, Kelly are what they are. Dundee United are what they are. And Ross County are what they are. Same as Motherwell, right? They are where they are. For a reason. Same as Hearts. We're nowhere near Celtic right now. So we are where, where we are. So you know you're going to get away with a few things. But you can't... Ryan, when 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 you... Th- I don't know if you've been 3 or 4-0 up at halftime and you take your foot off the gas, they get a couple of goals back. Suddenly you're in panic mode. And it, it's totally different from, from what you mm-hmm. expected. Yeah. I don't think they'd ever go into it being like that was easy or... Well, the second half's going to be easy. I think you kind of answer the question there. Killy don't have anything to lose. And, you know, if Hearts went out and got the third, then that kills the game, kills all hope. Whereas at 2-0, you always know that it doesn't matter if you, whenever you score, if it's the 85th, 87th minute, you're still going to get that last, you know, 10 minutes of the game where you're going to be right, I've got a right chance here. And, um... Yeah, it is tricky, but the the most dangerous thing is it's so hard to switch back on again, and that and that's what a lot of teams struggle with, and that's why you know people say two nil is such a dangerous scoreline because it's so hard to be like, yeah, we're cruising two nil, everything's rosy, or oh, they've scored right, let's switch back on again and go score a third because that's just not how it works, and um, yeah, it's probably something that irked Robbie more than you know the result itself would probably be that you know. 30 minutes or 40 minutes of the second, or near enough all the second half, where they just allowed those teams to come in and, and start to feel like they've got a chance instead of just going out and being like, right, 
if we score a third before 60 minutes, that is then the game finished. You can make a couple of subs. You can start enjoying yourself and, you know, Killy then change into that mode of, you know, we could nick something here to damage limitations and, and try and shut up shop. So that's probably something that are going to have to work on between now and the end of the season is, is not allowing those teams to even have a sniff of an opportunity. And, um, you know, at St. Johnson, we work on that a lot you know, either in both ways, you know, staying in a game for as long as possible because you never know what, what could happen. And also when we're winning the game is to make sure that we're not giving them any little, you know, cheap corners or cheap free kicks where they can put it in dangerous barriers or, you know, switching off or making silly decisions, which, you know, gives them a, a an opportunity or a chance. And then straight away, you can see their hands pick up a little bit and their players get a little bit more excited. So, it's just sort of managing the game better than what they have been in, in a, a few games uh, this season. Yeah, it's it's fine margins though, isn't it? Because Hearts did come out and Halliday had a chance quite quickly on. And if that goes in, we probably do get to relax and it's a bit more, you know, good football and, and lots of different things happening. But like every team is going to get their, their spell and that's, that's yeah. just... Where, where I would say that we're getting there is, you know, like if you look to the bench and you can see impact players, I think we need to maybe say there's something to be said about that as well. Because when the guys came on, you know, like I thought George Grant was really good when he came on. And I think looking maybe to that, like that, that was where we got that boost. But you're right. I mean, going at, if you're going into Europe next year, you, you can't be giving teams that kind of <clears throat> length of spell or that that many opportunities to, mm-hmm. to to hurt you because better teams obviously will. Hearts did see the game out though. Um yeah. an important win keeps them level with high flying Saints and moved them just a point <laughs> behind Aberdeen um <laughs> having uh, lost to Celtic earlier in the day and Hibs had lost to Rangers on the Thursday evening. Aberdeen do play Rangers as we're actually recording this, which is one one at half time right now. Um hopefully by the time we're listening to this, Aberdeen have lost that game and there's only a point between them, but we'll find out as we go on. But we will move on from Hearts Kilmarnock at this point. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Right. We've spoken about Hearts and Killy. Uh, now time to speak about a man who represented both of those clubs in his playing career and is representing Hearts uh, on our on our TV and laptop screens again on Hearts TV. Gary Wales, of course, who played 104 times for the men in Maroon. Now, before we get into the, the important stuff, I did find a game where Gary Wales played against Ryan McGowan. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. took me took me a while to dig this one out. There were some games, <clears throat> some more obvious ones where McGowan was on the bench, but I found a game where they both played. That's equivalent to Craig What's Gordon it? playing against Henry Smith when he was at Cowden Beach <laughs> yes. against Clyde Bank. <laughs> so oh. this is the twelfth of March, twenty eleven. Wraith oh. Rovers nil, Partick Thistle two. Um, Ryan McGowan played the full game on loan at Partick Thistle. He was wearing number seven, and I looked at some of the highlights. I'm pretty sure you were in midfield. 
I know you played a bit of defensive yeah. mid, did you sometimes in those loan spells? Uh, um, right mid, I think I was. Right mid, maybe. Oof. Okay. Um, Josh Janelli esque. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Gary Wales came off the bench in that game at a 2 0 Partick Thistle uh, mm. win. Uh, also had Stephen Simmons and Grant Murray. They started. Oh. Um, Graham Weir also came off the bench, as well as Gary Wales for Thompson. raceovers. Was JT with it? I didn't even didn't even see him. No, um, no, I, I don't think. I think he's away by then. Yeah, aye, by that point. See, I came back from Australia to, and I kind of signed half a season with Ray from my way back. But I was that's when I was it was time to give it a wrap because I couldn't train with my with my back, so. I was basically not training and then trying to play the weekends and it was just not the right fit. So when you when you know time's up, it's up. By, yeah. by the way, how, how come there wasn't like a multi-million pound fee involved for a player who'd scored 45 goals in 23 <laughs> games at Green Gully SC <laughs> on the outskirts of Melbourne? Anybody with that record goes for millions. I know, mate. Yeah. Well, I did. I did go up to. I did have. It gave me a an opportunity to um, train and train with a couple of A League teams when I was over there. But like I said, I was nursing injuries just to get through stuff. So it was just a bit of a a honeymoon period more than anything. Just a last hurrah, if you like, um, before I hung up the boots. So it was good, good to get over to Oz. But yeah, time to come back and get a real job. <laughs> well, we'll we'll take it back. A little bit further. We'll take it back to 1999. Um, you've just come off the back of a very good season with Hamilton Aki's 12 goals in season 98-99. A wee red card at Easter Road I was going to ask you about, actually. I don't know if yeah, you remember that. Yeah, I do. And there's a funny story behind that because... I like that. The very first day that I signed for, for Hawks, we actually um, we had a pre-season game against Spurs Mm-hmm. And it was the first for, sort of first time I was introduced to everybody, and the the gaffer, the jet, brought me in, and he says, "I meant to say to you, did you did you mean to get sent off against Hibs the other week?" So he, they were obviously at the game, and I was like, "Aye," and he's like, "I thought so." He's like, "That's why we signed you." <laughs> <laughs> what did you get sent off for? It was a it was it was horrendous. It was the boy the boy. Is it Paul Paul Lovell, the left yep. back? Yeah, Paul Lovering. A Lovering, yes, that was the one. So I, I'd scored during the game, and it got chopped off, and it was honestly, it just sent me sent me crazy because it wasn't. A, I never thought it was offside, so I was just running about, full, you know, with a head full of mist, and um, I just just towards the end of the game, I just was like, because me and him were having having it um, walk for throughout the game, and I just right in the corner, just. When he was just going to clear it, if I had a third leg, I'd have put it in there as well. But it was a two, two legs, <clears throat> two footed right in. It just one of the ones where he basically spins right round because he's hurt the bottom of my studs, and then it was just almost like a bit of a set too. With the boy McGinley as well came over, and I just just thought I'd get my money's worth and had a go at everybody. <laughs> to be to be fair, Gary, if you've had an incident with a love ring, you're not going to forget it in a hurry, are you? Oh dear. Oh dear. What? What? Right. Let's Uh, let's change that subject. Oh, come on. It's your dirty minds. This is it. This is. You you did what what Ryan McGowan tried to do at about the same time with. at the end of a heading to defeat at Easter Road, saw the red mist, but he got let off with the yellow card for that one. Yeah. 
<laughs> just want to get off, don't you? Just want to get off the pitch. Yeah. As bad as that sounds, just like ta- I'm taking someone with me and getting off that pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that was my younger days. That was my younger days. Much more experienced mm-hmm. now. Don't see the red mist anymore. <laughs> Can't wait for you to get Cue a red. Cue getting suspended for yellow cards. Get your get your red card next Wednesday night. Save it for then. Um, <laughs> well, the the red card got you noticed by Jim Jeffries um, and Billy Brown at the time. A fifty thousand pounds fee for you. At the time age twenty. Um, you must have been quite excited for the the step up to uh, a Hearts team that hadn't been on their best form the season prior, but obviously had just won the cup over a year before that. So quite a big move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think that, yeah. I mean, for me, it was it was a no-brainer. I was, I, I was down at um, Middlesbrough actually. Uh, it was uh, Brian Robson had invited me down like two weeks before it, and basically they were they were saying they were going to monitor me when they came back up. But that was like like what you said there. Um, that that was one of the last games that I played for Hamilton against Hibs. And um, I played, I played pretty well, even though I never scored and got sent off. And just it just all happened very quickly. And Jim Jeffries just kind of came in, and I think he was, I don't, I don't know if he had good contacts with Colin Miller, who was the manager at um, Hamilton Aki's at the time. But uh, it just all happened very quickly, and I was just delighted to to get you know a big club um, under my belt and just kind of get going. And because things, I was a bit of a late starter with it all. You know, I I was actually not pro until 18 and I was just basically doing under 18 football up until and working as well and then it just it kind of happened quite quickly going for you know kicking a ball with your mates to full time and then to the Premier League it all happened within probably just under two years so before before we get to your your time at Hearts what do you remember about an interview you gave to Hearts magazine issue 7 in March 2000 (laughs) Oh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, Mark. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you're joking me. No, I'm <laughs> so your 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 good pal was Mark Birchall growing yeah, up. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're from the same area. So you were talking, to, yep, talking about that. Playing for the team, he's obviously done well. You were involved in the youths at Dundee United, Celtic, and Livy. Yep. Um, you're drawn against Rangers in the cup at Hamilton, and after that, there's a fair bit of interest. You mentioned the Middlesbrough trial. You said, I actually went down to have a trial at Middlesbrough that would have been a big move for me, but I pulled my hamstring and any deal that might have been done fell through. How close were you? If you'd not pulled the hammy, were you going down for a trial or were you going down with a, right, if you do well here, we'll sign you? Well, it was It was actually like they, they'd said, like, that was a great trial. You know, we'll let you go back up the road and we'll, we'll, we'll obviously speak to everybody. But I did have a, it was a, a midweek niggle type thing that kind of, um, yeah, sent me back a few weeks. But yeah, it was it was one of them where I think if I'd have went down there, you know, done done well like I thought I did, and then came back up and maybe played the, the next two games and scored because that's when they were talking. But I actually, had to sit out a couple of games, and I think it cooled things off. And that's when the next game came was the, the Hibs game, and then I think the Jet just kind of I think the. Billy and Jim had said to me they'd been watching me for like a good good while before that, um, so yeah, it was just I think it was just about timing, isn't it? So yeah, uh, I, I think between the four of us, there's there's probably not too many 
over the last 25, 30 years, questions about Hearts. So we, we probably, or we haven't heard of a certain player, be surprised if that was the case. Until we found out that your first game, a friendly um, against Berwick, where you scored a couple of goals, there was a goalie in goal that day who only played two times for Hearts, both in friendlies. Do you remember who the goalkeeper was that day? Because I haven't, honestly, I've never heard of this guy. No. Tell me the name and I probably would. Brilliant. Aye. Tell you the name and then I've given you the answer. Aye. Trialist. two. Trialist three. Um, Laurie, any idea? But when is this? Because his first, his first long, his first game so, was at Spurs friendly. Yeah. So the, the 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 story there is, I actually signed on the day of the Spurs game, and I had no idea. This is a good story. I, I have no idea that I was like the jet had asked me to come through to watch the game, and have a chat with him in the office. Mm-hmm. So I took it for exactly that, and. I went through in the morning, it was about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and we went into the, the old office, which was basically across the road from the old, the old main stand, um, and we went in there, had a chat, and basically one thing led to another, and he's like, should we get this deal done, blah, 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 and I signed it, and then he was like, um, I take it you're staying for the game, and I was like, yeah, yeah, and he says to me, have you got boots with you? And I was like, no, and he was like, well, do you want to play the day? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's Spurs, and I'm just just weeks away from playing against all the Mortons and all that. And I'm like, eh, I so Campbell, yes, please. Um, and he <laughs> said, like, go and, he gave me a, a line to go and get boots from Greaves. And he said, I'm going to get some pasta here. I can't remember where it was. And he says, and come back and we'll, uh, we'll put you on. And honestly, my head was absolutely buzzing for the next hour and a half, honestly. Shaking, <laughs> shaking the wind. But yeah, I came on at half time and played against um, Sol Campbell and Ledley King. So the, the, oh, Lon- the London... And the next start. day was... That, next that was the game? Was the Berwick that, game, yeah. That was your first so, start. So London, London Hearts has got that as your first start with a goalkeeper yeah. who I've never heard of. And he now, he now, he now coaches over here. Who was he? More got a clue. Eric oh. Bear. Oh. I mean, oh. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of this dude because he played twice. Uh, that was his first and only start. And three days beforehand, so probably on the Thursday night, because you played Spurs on the Saturday. So on the yeah. Thursday night at Central Park, where Alistair Graham scored for a, a Hearts 11, he came on as a sub for Gilles Rousset. I wonder if it was Rousset's mate. <laughs> Seriously, no. fr- French lad. He would have certainly known about him, surely. That's funny you say was... that because some of the boys used to think stuff like that was going on. Uh, <laughs> Stefan Adam and Fabian the Clerk was that not Stefan cousin? Was that not Adam's cousin or something? Was relationships, so everybody stays a wee bit longer. I think that's what was going on. <laughs> well, it was Stefan Adam who you came on for in your first competitive game uh-huh. uh, away to. St Johnston and a 4-1 victory and is it now something off the back of this I mentioned when we did the live show mm-hmm. um, at Tynecastle the other week which I think is quite incredible Mark won't have heard this because he wasn't there but um, you played three times at McDermott Park so you won all three, the last game was January 2002, you scored in a 2-0 win, since then so in almost 21 years 
Hearts have won one league game at McDermott Park. <sighs> since since those you won three out of three there, you scored the last one since you scored in January two thousand and two. <laughs> one that's, league win there. What's it all about? Get me and Ricardo Fuller back, eh? Oh, yeah, we we were talking about Ricardo um, we in the podcast of the week because this is this what a player, but someone from Jamaica, he would think, right, he's going to come over to Scotland. He's really not going to fancy it when it gets to <laughs> when it gets to winter, is he? I mean, he's going to what? He came alive, but totally. his record was absolutely ridiculous. Um, oh. I need to dig out where. Where's my? I had it last time. Here, let me yeah, go. Yeah, he brought it up. Um, it was like. Where are we? Here we go. Fuller, Fuller, Fuller. Da, 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 da. Seamless. Where is it going? Anyway, of the goals he scored, um, it was something stupid like seven of the nine came in um, six games in December, but December and January. He just he, he came alive that winter, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And he used to wear the, the short sleeves as well, so he's right. true, true Scotsman. Um no, but yeah, you're right. I do remember a particular hot streak, and it was just that, like you said, Christmas time. But the boy, the, yeah, the boy was different class. You know, so hard to get the ball off him, and it's very, very rarely do you have a guy with such physical attributes also have like the pace and the skills that he had as well. He just had everything, and then obviously he went down and played in the Premiership. Um, you know, many years. So, yeah, good player, good lad as well. But the Fuller-Wales combination did the business for Hearts with the opening goal. Fulton's pass over the top, Fuller reads the script and Wales, with the help of a pirouette, reads the Saints' defence a merry dance. The Wales' first touch does all the set-up work. Hearts' second didn't come until the 72nd minute and no prizes for guessing the scorer. Fuller's your man from the narrow angle and the asking price of £1 million for his transfer is beginning to look very tempting. The Jamaican knows the route to go all right. The Hearts fans continue to salute him and it's a mutual appreciation society. St Johnson nil, Hearts 2. Yeah, we spoke about you know players learning from, from, uh, from more senior pros, be that in the reserves or otherwise. I mean, you had a fair few cracking players in, in terms of strikers we mentioned Stefan Adam who was you know uh, in his later years at that point but still a quality striker Gary McSwagan was on form getting in the Scotland team yeah. I think Darren Jackson played up with you a few times you had Fuller later on De Vries you, you had quite a fair few players not only to learn from but to give you a lot of competition for your place yeah yeah well it's funny you say that because me me Darren um, Jackson and Swiggy, we we were all from Livingston, so we all car shared, and so it was just like we were all trying to play for the one position. And uh, <laughs> but you listen, we were all good mates, and you know, like you said, like I was only twenty or so, and these boys were brilliant for me. Like like at that time, Swiggy was one of the main strikers at Scotland, and you know, Jacko's experience was unbelievable as well. So they were great for me. Um, just kind of yeah, help help me hit the ground running really. I've got a couple of now. Ryan um, has a very busy week, so I know he won't be able to stay with us too much longer. But I've got at least a couple of trivia questions that I think I'm going to put to it. You can maybe work them out between you because I've managed to find it's been pretty tough. Apart from that, I, sh- I should have kept that game that you played together as one of the questions, but I didn't mm-hmm. didn't think this through. But I found another couple of links here. Now, they're a little bit tenuous, 
but I want to see what your memory's like because um, April 2000, so not long after you'd actually joined Hearts, you were part of the Scotland Under-21 side. One of your two caps with the Under-21s was against the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this. It was mm-hmm. a 2-0 defeat. Now, um, which Netherlands striker who played in that game would go on to score two goals against Hearts later in his career and would be on the bench for a match against Ryan McGowan 14 years after you played him in that under-21 game? Mm. Touch. So he played in that game. He didn't score in that under-21 game, but he would score two goals in his career later on against Hearts. And then... 14 years after that game, and another international, a full international, he was on the bench against Ryan McGowan. I don't know if either you or Ryan can think who that would be. I'm just trying, I'm struggling with the years there, trying to, um, okay. So under 21 is 2000, so he would be pretty, he'd be quite old by the time he's up against McGowan, then he'd be kind of going pushing I said striker. Van Bronckhorst wasn't a striker. Uh, no, no clue, to be honest. I'm trying uh, to think of all the Dutch boys that kind of were all around about Rangers and all that. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if Mark might, Mark might, he's, he's, he scored two goals against Hearts, but you're maybe going down the wrong track about who thinking who he played for. So he wasn't at Rangers? Basically. Yeah. But it was, uh, it's two goals against so his two goals against Hearts came um, after Gary had... L- oh, wait, actually, had Gary left? I think he had. So about um, 05. Uh, but before Ryan had joined, so it's maybe that's Maybe if it may be that little gap is forgetting those two goals. <laughs> what, Who was it? Oh, no, no. Dirk Kout. Wow, right. It's when you uh, see. I, I thought it was October two thousand and four. Because the so, fr- I was thinking yeah. the front three was Callum, uh, Solomon Callu, Dirk Coit, and Romeo Castellan, and I, I'm I was thinking that those three got the goals and they didn't. They didn't. It was quite. Yeah, two for Firehood in October two thousand and four against Hearts in the. It was still the UEFA Cup. That was the yeah. f- first right. group you know stage who, that they you had. Know who was in charge of of Feyenoord for that game? Uh, but it was Advoca. Hulet. Was it Hulet? Was it? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't remember that. Um, he was on the bench, an unused substitute for the Netherlands at the World Cup against Australia in June 2014. So it was maybe a bit tenuous that Ryan would remember one of the unused subs for that <laughs> yeah, game. I was he was fine. I was looking uh, at the bench and I was fine. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have another one if you want. I, I've got another one. This is another very tenuous link, but you, this. This is probably slightly easier. Um, Gary Wales scored one goal in a short spell for Gillingham in a 5-2 defeat to Coventry in May 2004. There was a player in the Gillingham side that day that would start in Ryan McGowan's first ever competitive appearance for Hearts. So he played for Gillingham with Gary in the game that Gary's got his only goal for Gillingham. Oh, I think I know who it is. And he would then start in the game that Hearts uh, gave Ryan McGowan his first competitive appearance in. Skelton. Nope. You remember the game, but wrong player. 
Joe Gary. It was Banksy, wasn't it? Steve Banks. It was. Big Steve oh, Banks. He was in goals for Gillingham in 2004. Uh, Signed for Hearts a year later, and he was captain. He was captain in Ryan McGowan's first game for Hearts, May 2008. There you go. Steve Banks, who managed to win three Scottish Cups with three different teams and never play a minute in a final. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good quiz question, that, isn't it? Yeah. Not bad going. Anyway, there you go. I managed to find a couple of other links. That was hard work. <laughs> uh, right, back back to, um, back to your time at Hearts. So, your first season, um, you know, for for a young player, um, going reasonably well. I, I know you. I know we we spoke already about your your favourite goal, and you mm-hmm. got it in this season, didn't you? This one against Dundee United. Talk us yeah. through it. Into the second half, and at long last, Hearts cracked it, and with a goal of real class from Gary Wales. A little shimmy, a cut inside, and a curling finish. Yeah, well, I mean, from a result point of view, it wasn't great because we got beat by Dundee United at home 2-1. But um, I guess from a, a individual goal point of view, I think it was good. The ball was just put over the top from, I want to say, Gordon Petrich. And yeah, it just kind of went out wide, sort of towards, towards the touchline and just kind of came in at the corner of the 18 and done a sort of step over and kind of, Bent in the top corner of Homer. It's a lovely goal. Uh, it was nice. It was nice. So we were one nil up on that, on that, on that, on that particular t- time. But for whatever reason, we've just got turned over um, for a quick couple of goals and ended up getting beat two one. But in terms of the goal, yeah, I, I like. I was happy with the goal. I actually went on to play with Alan Combe uh, at Kilmarnock. Can he? And he remembered it. <laughs> he didn't. He couldn't move for it. Couldn't even die. I know. It was rooted, but it just—it's funny because I think after the goal, he boots the ball for miles, and I just remember Coma used to do that at training all the time. Every time you do it, he'd, he'd not speak to you for days. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was probably my favourite um, individual goal. But there was there was yeah, there was quite a few nice goals in there. More important ones. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk about what happened. It was only a few weeks after this. So this is, I suppose, quite pivotal in your your heart's career, especially. Um, 13th of May, 2000, um, away to Rangers. So, you you know, you've been signed by Jim Jeffries. Uh, you've been brought in. You've been getting a decent amount of game time in a pretty good hearts team that first season. You got seven goals. Um, but you get injured in this game away to Rangers, don't you? This And it's quite a bad injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I think there was actually. I mean, I, I, as you know, I've just signed that season, and the first the first half of the season, um, I was more bit part off the bench type thing. But uh, back then, it was the winter shutdown, and we'd go away to Portugal and train and stuff like that. And I was just feeling, you know, quite sharp and refreshed. And Elvis, I remember Stephen Presley kind of saying to me, "You're going to come back and just, you know, do great the second half of the season." I can tell. And I don't know if he had any influence on it or that, but I did come back and kind of start quite a few few games and managed to get a few goals. And yeah, just kind of grew in confidence. And and I don't know if this could even be an exclusive, but there was actual talks with Rangers going on at the time as well, apparently, um, between the two clubs. 
uh, for me to potentially move on to there, even though okay. it, was just, it was just one season. So, so, uh, so I'm led to believe. But um, so, yeah, uh, that was just you know, I, for me, I was just all about just wanting to play, play, you know, play first team football. That was my main prerogative, and getting getting starts, and and that that happened in the second part of the season. But like you said. Um, kind of came well. I think second second last game before the end of the season. I, I yeah. took a bad one and broke my leg, um, dislocated my ankle, snapped my ligaments all in the one challenge. So uh, Arthur Newman, it was actually, and um, yeah, that set me back for just just under two years. I was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I looked at the so by the time you retired, Jim Jeffries was no longer manager. Yeah. Craig Levine was in charge. Um, yeah. Your first game back, February 2001, um, Scottish Cup against Dundee. You came on and 16 minutes after coming on, you pull your hamstring. And you must be thinking um, you've broken a few mirrors down the years or something at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, that that often happens. Though. Girls will probably play, play testament to that. It's like when, you're, when you're, you're trying to get something right, you know, and you've been out a long time, sometimes other things compromise you know uh, whether it's mechanically or you know I don't know but yeah I, I was breaking down different different things and back then you know it was a there wasn't the latest and greatest recovery stuff going on you know and it was just a case of I mean all, all due respect to people like Alan Ray and stuff like that they were great physios but you know we weren't getting the, the latest sports science stuff and nobody was really getting measured so Probably could argue, you know, now it would be a lot quicker and you know, a lot, a lot better getting back rehab wise. But yeah, just, just with what I was kind of left with, it was, it was, it was a hamstring one week, or it was an ankle the next, and yeah, it was, it was tough getting back to it all. But just my body had to adapt to the, the, the metal and all the stuff that was in my leg, and so it was, it was a slow journey back. But I mean, it was not all. You know, doom and gloom. You know, I still managed to play X amount of more years in the Premier League, and so yeah, it was all right. But I, I, I'd like to think. I think for me, I mean, if I hadn't been injured in that season, I would have loved to have kind of gone on and had you know two or three really good seasons at Hearts and seen where that would have taken me. Uh, I did have aspirations to to be as best as I could, but that did ground me a little bit, and uh, I, it was a long way back, but. It was a, it was, it was still a good career. I always thought, Gary, um, that, that you and Andy Kirk were were two of just the most natural finishers that we'd had at the club for a while as a tandem. Have you mm. played with with anybody else that you just gelled with, or you just thought there's a finisher and, and uh, I enjoy playing with this person? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I mean. There's people that you, you play with that are just really intelligent and they know how, maybe you don't know, but they know how to compliment your football. Or And there's people like Darren Jackson that have done that for me quite quickly on. But in terms of me and Kirky, I mean, because we played in the reserves a lot and we just... Yeah, you did. We just absolutely just smashed through it, you know, like, and we would just know where each other were. And I don't know if we were quite similar. So... There was maybe something to be said about that where, you know, like if I'm not running short, he's running long and we know the exact same run or whatever. And I don't know what it was, but yeah, we, we, we did. We were quite telepathic at times. And what the bizarre part of all that probably was the fact that we never got to actually play much, many games in the first team 
together, which would have been quite interesting if we'd have got a really good run. There was that talk though, because you were perceived and whether the perception was correct or not, it was it was one or the other. Yeah. And yeah. given who else you mentioned were at the club at the time, it was pretty difficult to have just you two available. So we need to play them both. Whereas when others were available, was it right? Is it Gary or is it Andy this week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's again you you're talking a particular era of uh, football and you know, like styles and you know Craig Levine was the manager at that time and I think the the, the the chosen option always was to have a big guy up front and one of us off him and that's that was just how it was perceived and like you said there was never really the the real discussion of just stick the two of them up even if you did done it for half a dozen games, it would have been just quite interesting to see what would have happened. That just about brings us to the end of part one of our Scarves Around the Funnel episode, speaking to Gary Wales. Part two will be released shortly, so keep an eye on your podcast app for the second instalment of our chat with the former Hearts striker. But until then, thanks for tuning in.